Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Yes, right. A weight is anything that is hindering our relationship with Jesus. It could be things that are considered good things, but if they're hindering our relationship with Jesus, they're weights. And so this morning, uh, my sister Mandy Holloway is here this morning. Give her some love. Give her a big hand. She's awesome. She is also from House of Prayer, the same church. And the, the ladies have been begging for her forever. And so we brought her in for the girls' conference in November, and the guys, you sorely missed out, but we didn't want you there. And she came. It was amazing. She put on this whole play, and the play was, like, significant, and it was, like, tears. And blah, it, was, it was beautiful. So I'm looking forward to having her this morning. Mandy, come on up. Give her a huge hand. I will pass the mic off to you. Love you, Mandy. Does Mandy have a mic? All right. Jane, maybe Jane. Maybe Jane. I know. Okay. Hello. Can y'all hear me? I have a super loud mouth, so I probably don't even need the mic. But. <laughs> All right. Good morning, guys. It's so awesome to be here. It's it's so humbling to be able to stand before you um, during worship. Uh, I started weeping because um, I know probably many of you take for granted that you get to be in something like this. It's just, oh, cool, we go to church, have youth. But I would have given anything for someone at your age to invite me to church, to invite me to something like this. It would have radically changed my life and the course of my life. And I desperately needed God. And um, I didn't know anyone who lived for God. We didn't own a Bible at my house. No one ever talked to me about Jesus. Um, I went to church every Sunday, but I didn't know him. And so um, uh, you guys are so blessed. You are so blessed. And I want to let you know on behalf of other Mandy Holloways in your class, in your schools, in your, in your sports you play, there is someone like me in your, who you do life with that in their spirit, they are desperately crying for you to invite them to church, to you to invite them to elevate because inside they are going through so much, are so lonely, so depressed, challenged with so many things. So when you feel the unction of the Holy Ghost to invite someone, to be kind to someone, to love someone, please take that step. I would have given all the money in the world had somebody come and invited me to something like this. So if you're a youth leader, before we get started, if you're one of the youth leaders and Dominic, I just feel um, for you guys to come to the front. If you're one of the leaders, if you're over the kids, if you're having somebody sleep at your, them sleep at your house, give them a round. So last night when I was praying, I guess I can face you guys. Yeah. Aren't they awesome? 
<laughs> All right. So, as I was praying last night for today, I really um, felt like God took a little shift and gave me a prophetic word, um, not just for the young people, but for the leaders. Kind of took me by surprise. But um, I have a prophetic word for you. Um, the scripture in Psalms 127 and 4, talking about the youth, it says, As arrows are in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So I felt like the Lord told me to tell you guys that you are the warriors. You're standing in this fight. And God has placed these young people in your hands as arrows. And there's going to be a time that you're going to have to release these arrows. And God told me to tell you it is your job and responsibility to raise them, guide them, because they are gonna, they're going to be released. But it's your job that they hit their bullseye. So right now, I want you to join hands, and I want you guys to stretch out your hands. We're going to pray an anointing and a blessing over them, over these warriors in this fight. Lord God, you told me that these young people are the arrows, and they are many. And God, right now, I'm asking that you anoint these warriors in this fight. That God, as you have trusted them with these arrows, God, as they open up their mouth and not be their mouth, their words, but your Holy Spirit speaking when they speak to these young people. God, that these warriors stay so focused and locked in on you, so dedicated to you and your word, that God, when they speak and they talk to these young people, they would be led so powerfully with the Holy Ghost that you would anoint them, God, to guide these young people, that you would order their footsteps and command their spirit. So God, that when these young people are released from this youth group, God, they, I declare and decree that they would hit their bullseye. God, that great and mighty works would be done in your name through these young people. And Lord, pour out your blessing on these warriors that are standing before me. God, anoint them this day to raise up these arrows to hit their bullseye. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Can you give them a round of a hand? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank y'all. <laughs> All right. That is not a job for the weak or the faint at heart, that's for sure. <laughs> So we're going to get started this morning. I know what stands between me and you is Chick-fil-A, and that's a, that's a heavy intensity there. So I'm going to get started. If you, I was um, given the title to fight the good fight, and um, I really feel like if anybody can preach this sermon, it's definitely, I, I have a little experience in that arena. Um, if you can pull up 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 14, it says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, 
faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep his commandment without spot, blameless unto our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. So the first thing the Bible says, he says, flee from righteousness, godliness, live out faith, love, patience, gentleness. And this walk with God, the Bible says, it's a fight. It's a fight. And he says to do what's right. And it is so hard to do what's right. It's so easy to do what's wrong, right? So I grew up just doing wrong. Yeah, I was like a magnet, to, like a duck to water. If it was wrong, I was going at it. It's in our nature. We're born. My daughter, as cute as she was when she was born, she got old enough, she started biting, pinching. I never taught her those things. It's just in us to do wrong, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to talk bad to people, to be rude and ugly. It's just in us. But it is super hard to do what's right. And so like Pastor Josh, I, I do CrossFit. And the other morning, um, Wednesday morning to be exact, it was this workout of, of, in honor of some Navy SEAL. And so it's all moving, the story, and we're going to do this in honor of this Navy SEAL. And about 10 minutes into it, I'm like, I'm definitely not a Navy SEAL. I'm definitely not a Navy SEAL. And so we're working out, but this girl who came to work out, she was um, the meanest girl in my high school. I went to E.D. White, and, um, you know, if you can make it through E.D. White, you can do anything in life, right? So um, all the Vanderbilt people should have cheered on that, right? So we have them. Okay, they're not arch rivals anymore. Yes, no, no, okay. All right, so anyway, this girl's there, and she was the meanest girl in our high school. Mean, 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 ugly, mean, mean. So in the last few years um, at CrossFit, she, she wants to be my friend and talk to me. And so I'm, I'm nice and friendly, but in my spirit, I'm like, like, because she still don't know, like, is she going to pull my hair? Like, what, is she going to curse me out? But she's being super nice to me. So my husband's always joking. He's like, you going to invite her to church or what? And I'm like, I, I will. Just give me a little time. I'm still, I'm still cautious. So anyway, we're, we're, we start the workout, and she is, like, barely putting any weight on her bar. So, of course, she's going to go faster, right? So in my flesh, I'm like, oh, cheater. You know, I'm Rx and I'm, I'm putting the max amount of weight. And then she's picking up the, the lighter um, wall ball. And so, of course, she's going faster. So we start out for the run. She's like ahead of everybody else. But when I turn the corner, she's like skipping the edges, right? She's not going all the way. And then, um, and so she's way far. And I'm like, oh, cheater you're not even doing it right and God immediately speaks to me he says this is what this life this run is all about he's like there are going to be people who cheat and lie and steal and take the easy way and the people in the world it's going to be frustrating like man I gotta do what's right I gotta I gotta do all these things and here they are not doing what's right and they're the coolest they're the most popular they're getting all the guys and they're getting all the girls and all the it seems so unfair and so she's a whole lap ahead of me, 
And I, I'm like giving it all I have, but I, in my spirit, I'm like, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. So by, we had to do eight rounds. So by the seventh round, I'm kind of gaining ground on her, and I notice she's walking on the part with the 400-meter run. And when I see her slowing down, I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy, it's on. I'm going to smoke you. I'm coming for you. And so I'm like going in a full-blown sprint. Now, I'm almost 40 years old with four kids, so I'm not no spring chicken. And so I'm like giving it all I have, and I'm like, God, this is so a sermon right here. This chick is cheating. She's not doing what's right, and I'm doing what's right, but she's still beating me. So I'm like, God, it would be really cool if I did what's right and you let me beat her, right? That would make a really good ending to the sermon. And so by the last round on the deadlifts, I'm, she pauses. And in that pause, I just explode and I start going and I hit the wall balls and I had to do 17 in a row with, 20, with 14 pounds and she grabs a little eight pound and I do, I'm going and she keeps stopping. And so then I'm just exploding and I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. And I'm going to smoke this chick who is so mean and ugly to everybody at our high school. And so I take off running in a sprint and on the sprint, I run 200 meters and on the way back, she is walking holding, limping, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and I'm so excited. So I come in and I finish, and she comes up to me, she's like, man, that was so hard. I'm like, I know, I know, felt like I had asthma out there, and I'm smiling and nodding, but I'm like, you know what, God, that is so this fight, this walk with God. As a Christian, we got to do what's right no matter what, but there's kids in your school and kids that you're friends with, you know they're not doing what's right. You know they're looking at bad stuff, they're taking part in things that right, but they're not getting in trouble and they're not getting caught and you do one little thing and you're getting in trouble and it's just people are teasing you and making fun of you because you're trying to live for God and it's hard. But the Bible says if we do what's right and run this race, that in the end we will have the victory. And so we can't get caught up in looking at this world and what people are gaining and getting in this world. We have to keep our eyes, the Bible says, on the world to come. And our goal is to get, we're trying to get to heaven. We're trying to take as many people with us as possible. And so first he says to be gentle and loving and kind, but then he says fight. It's like, hold up. You want me to be gentle, loving, kind, but you want me to fight. But the Bible says the good fight, the good fight of faith. Hebrews 11 and 1, if you can pull that up, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Fight the good fight of faith. What are we even fighting for? We're fighting for this Jesus who we cannot see, We've never spoke to him in a conversation. But there's something inside of us that says there's something more. And I'm willing to lay it all on the line. I'm willing to live for you, God, because I have this faith that one day when I die, the Bible says he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. And so there's this good fight. And when God started dealing with me, I was in college. 
And at the time, I was working in a bar, I was definitely drinking seven nights a week. Uh, all my clothes barely had two straps. I, you know, I wore next to nothing. I had seven piercings. I was a hot mess. I was definitely depressed. But drinking all the time, living with a guy, living the most wretched, ungodly life, and I was in a sorority. 75 girls, I was the party chair, I planned all the parties with the fraternities, and this was my life. And though on the outside I was friendly and outgoing and fun and all these frat guys were like my brothers and all these sorority girls I thought were my sisters, but inside there was an emptiness inside of me. And there was a, a, a sadness and an emptiness and a longing. I was trying everything to fill those voids. And so God started pursuing me. And I worked in the information desk at Nichols in a little box, which God knew he had to box me in. Because if anybody about Jesus was coming after me, I would take off running the other way, right? Because if I went into church, that thing would surely like just light on fire, right? Somebody with this much sin couldn't go into church. And this girl came every day, every day. And she would bring me a scripture with a bag of chips or cookies. I would throw the scripture in the trash, not even read it, eat the cookies, love chips. I was a poor college kid. I wouldn't have been so poor, but all my money went to alcohol. And so I would just like eat the free food, right? And she came day after day after day. I would see her coming. I'm in a box. I'm in a box in the information desk in the union. I can't go nowhere. I would see her coming, and I'd act like I had to tie my shoe. I had flip-flops on, just hoping, please do not come talk to me. And here she would, hey! And I'm like, oh, my God, the Jesus freak keeps coming every day. Why is she so happy? I'm hungover. I'm aggravated. I don't want to be here, but I need money to support my habits, right? And so she keeps coming, and she keeps coming, and she invites me to church. And I'm like, man, this is six months this chick has been coming. Does she understand how bad I am? Like, I'm really bad, and like, I'm a hot mess, and people like me just don't go to church. I've never read a Bible in my life. And so she invites me to church, and I was like, man, maybe if I go, she'll leave me alone, right? Let me just go, and she'll leave me alone. I'm thinking it's like church like I grew up going to. Just go in, stand up, sit down, kneel, and I'm good. I'm out. Peace out. Go get drunk. I'm good. And so I go to church, and there's people lifting their hands, and there's people crying, and some of the guys are really cute, and I didn't know they made cute Christian guys, so that was kind of intriguing. And I'm ashamed to say that. That's prideful, but that's how, that was my thoughts. And they're praying, and some of them are speaking in another language, and I thought they were foreign exchange students, and I never heard people speak in tongues before. So I was like, oh, wow, all the international kids hang out here. That's cool. And so I don't understand. At the end, everybody comes to the front, and they're kneeling, and they're like, they're crying. And I'm like, why are they so sad? Like, I thought church was supposed to be happy, you know? I don't understand what's going on. And so after, I went get drunk because that's just what I did. And I'm sitting at the bar and I'm shot after shot. I'm like, oh, I can't get drunk. I keep thinking about what I just went to. So I go home and I'm laying in bed and I'm living with a guy and I'm definitely not married. And um, my friend told me, she's like, hey, you're going to hell if you, you know, you're living with this guy. Like, you can't do that. And I'm like, oh, but I love him. She's like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. You got to move out with him. I'm like, well, this Jesus thing is kind of hard, right? Because all my other friends... We're shacking up with guys, so I didn't understand. And she's like, hey, you got to move out. You got to do what's right. Do what's right? What does that even mean? Everybody I knew was doing wrong. And so God started dealing with me and dealing with me. And so then I bring the guy I'm dating to church, and he goes down to the altar, and he starts crying. I'm like, wait, time out. This was not supposed to happen. 
And so this girl keeps inviting me, inviting me to church. Every time I go, see the foreign exchange students, the guy I'm dating is at the altar crying. I'm like, what is happening? So finally, I ask her, I said, hey, what is happening? What is going on? She opens the Bible in front of me at the information desk, and I felt this presence come all around me. And I kind of almost started crying, and I'm like, what's that? She's like, that's the power of God. So I go home, and the guy I'm dating, I'm showing him, I'm showing him in the Bible, and we're like, man, we're going to do this, this God thing. I don't even know what it looks like, but we're going to do this. So we try to stop drinking, and we try to just go to the bar and drink water, and that does not work, just FYI. It might work for one night, but it doesn't. And so we're doing this God thing, and that doesn't go over well with sorority and fraternity guys, right? This is not the cool thing to do. And so we're trying to tell them about this God, and we don't know much about. And um, God starts convicting me, and this girl's like, hey, you need to move out. You can't, can't be shacking up with this guy. So I moved back home at 20 years old with my mom and dad. And I go from party chair to chaplain of my sorority. And God is just starting to move in my life, and he's convicting me, like, hey, put clothes on. You can't go out half naked. Hey, take all those piercings out. You can't pass through a metal detector. Hey, you know, maybe you should, like, you know, pray instead of do these things. And God, and I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what's happening. I can't explain it. I just know that God's moving and doing something. And so I, I tell the guy I'm dating, like, hey, I, I need to move out. I need to move back home with my parents. I just think that this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't want to go to hell, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell. And God just starts working on my heart. And slowly and slowly, I'm trying to do what's right, but my friends, who I thought were my friends at the time, is like, this is not cool. This is not the cool thing to do. Like, we not cool with you opening up the sorority meeting with slow music, low lighting, and scriptures on the board, and you praying for people. And I'm like, but y'all, whatever this is, is awesome. Like, I don't even know. I had a kid's Bible because I was trying to do, like, the, the, the Jesus for dummies. Like, I had 20 years to have to hurry up and learn about this God. And so I'm like, got this kid's Bible, and I'm in my parents' house. And I, at this point, it's slowly, 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 God is pulling people out of my life and people out of my life, and I'm going on college campus telling people about God, and they're slashing me and ridiculing me and teasing me, and I'm like, I don't think I care. I don't think I care. Like, you are real. Like, I am feeling you. And so I'm beginning this fight, and I'm having to choose to take up my cross and follow him or lay it down and follow these people who don't know Jesus. And so I'm in this torn, it's like a tug of war, but there was more God pulling me and, G and the devil's pulling me, but every day I was just waking up saying, God, if you're real, if this is real, like I'm gonna choose you today. I'm gonna will myself to put down the cigarettes, to put down the alcohol, to do what's right, to open my Bible. It was every day, every day. And I felt like every day I woke up and made one step towards Jesus, the enemy would come and give me some massive blow and knock me down. But the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he keeps getting back up. And I was just trying every day to will myself to do what was right, even though it was so hard. And what was more harder than anything, it was hurting because God was stripping people out of my life and I was feeling all alone. I went from this world of partying and having fun with all these friends. And if people tell you in church, oh, the world's not fun, stay in church, it's fun. It is fun to sin. 
It's a good time. Those people clearly didn't know how to sin because if you sin, it's fun. But it's for a short time and it'll lead you to hell. So it was fun. I had a great time and I missed having fun. And so I started praying right before my 21st birthday. I was lonely. I was sad, but not so lonely and sad that I was willing to go back to that life. Because when I was starting to pray, God's presence was starting to come on me. And I was starting to feel things, and I felt like he was speaking to me. And I was telling my friends from school, like, God will speak to you. I'm telling you, he'll speak to you. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. But I didn't care. And I started doing Bible studies with my sorority sisters in the union at church. And I would rent out this room, and I would tell them about Jesus. And they were like, okay, what drug did you actually do this week? Like, what's happening? But I knew this was real. God was dealing with me. And so in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, it says, if you can bring that up, 2 Corinthians, yeah. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. You see, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. It's a spiritual war going on from the time you are born and the time you die. You know, you come across people and they're like, what you looking at? Well, that's a spirit inside of them that has them so bound and works all day long keeping that person bound that's saying, hey, don't look at me. Don't look at this hurt. Don't look at this pain. It works all day to hide in that person and keep that person bound in their sin. It's the kid that's bullying you at school, bullying, bullying. That is not that kid. It's a wounded kid, a kid with a wounded spirit that because that kid is hurting, it wants, that spirit wants you to hurt as well. Everything is so spiritual. And so that, that spirit in that kid that's just constantly bullying, it's influencing that kid. It's lying to that kid. It's manipulating that kid. And you want, try to be ugly back to that kid and see how it works out. It's going to be horrible. But if you go home, and you get on your knees and say, God, that kid that is bullying me, I'm asking you to heal that kid. You know what's wrong with that kid. God, whatever is going on in that kid's life, God, I'm asking you to move on that kid. My daughter, three years ago, this kid was bullying her every day. She was getting so mad, and she a little gangster like me, and so she would, like, snap back at, at them, and I'm like, friend, you can't do this. This is just spiritual. And every night we started praying and praying. And not only did the teacher move that kid the next week, the kid left the school altogether. And Hannah Grace was like, Mom, this prayer stuff, like it's legit, like it works. I'm like, yeah, it's called spiritual warfare. Everything you face, but we want to handle it in the flesh. And it says the weapons we fight are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. So if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you have divine power to pull down the strongholds that you're up against. So it's like, you kind of like this spiritual ninja warrior, and the world don't even know it. And so then when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, God baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you'll speak in a heavy language you don't even know, and it's a language the enemy cannot even understand. And so when you don't know what to pray, the Bible says you pray in the Holy Ghost. And so 
Then it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. So whenever I worked in a bar, there was always a bouncer at the door, right? And for those of you good church kids who've never been in a bar, the bouncer is usually this big strong guy with muscles, and he decides who can come in the bar and who cannot. And if somebody's cutting up and doesn't need to be, I used to love it because they would like slam people out on the semen and like slam them against walls. It was really entertaining whenever I had to work and I was actually kind of sober. And so it was my entertainment. And so the bouncers would decide who could come in and out. So we have to have a spiritual bouncer in our minds and say, when this thought comes in our mind, is this good? Is this holy? Is this the word of God? No, then you have to get out in Jesus' name. But we allow every thought of the enemy to come in and we entertain it. And there's no bouncer at the door of our mind saying, this is not of God. Get it out. But we allow these lies to come in and then we entertain them. You're ugly. You're not good enough. You can't speak. You can't tell people about Jesus. Who are you? Your parents aren't even in church. I came into church. I didn't have one family member in church. Nobody. I went to my mom. I'm like, you got to come to church. You got to love Jesus. And I started telling her about God and teaching her Bible study. I baptized my own mom and watched my own mom get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just a kid. But the power of God inside of you is all you need. And so what are, who are we fighting anyway? Fight the good fight. Who are we up against? Why are we fighting? How do we fight? If we pull up 1 Peter 5, 9 and 11, it says, Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Don't think you all alone, like, oh, only bad stuff happens to me. It's hard for me to be a Christian. It's hard for everybody to be a Christian. On the other side of the world, they're decapitating them if they say the name Jesus. They're having to go in underground churches that take two hours to get there because they have to break up their walks in churches in China. I listened to a missionary. Unbelievable what they have to go through. They can't even raise their voice to worship. They have to whisper. So it says, in the God of all grace who called you to eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. This girl that I'm teaching a Bible study to, a lady, she texted me yesterday. She said, man, it's so hard. I started living for God, and my husband's drinking every night, and it's just so hard, and I'm praying, and I'm fasting, and I'm making a war room. And I asked her, I said, so if your husband didn't drink every night and everything was hunky-dory, would you actually be praying and fasting and making a war room? She's like, probably not. She goes, oh, I need to remember this when things are good to, to pray and fast and have a war room. I said, you won't because it's our human nature, right? When things get good, we don't pray as hard. Now, in our minds, okay, I'm going to go to church every morning at 5 a.m. and I'm going to pray and then I'm going to fast two days a week and all this, this lies that we tell ourselves because when things get good, we stop pursuing God. So God allows these things in our life to keep us praying, to keep us seeking him, to keep us learning how to war, to keep us learning his voice. And the Bible says we have to be alert and sober-minded. So you can't do that drunk or high, right? I went to my 20 class year reunion. Not much has changed in 20 years. 
okay? Half the people came in drunk. And so this one guy, my husband, who grew up in church, he's never been drunk in his life, never been in a barroom. He was a virgin when we got married um, and ended up with me. Congratulations, grand prize. And so anyway, um, and so this guy, every time he walks out the door, he slams into the wall, slams into the wall. My husband's cracking up. He's like, this is live entertainment. Like, people do this? I'm like, yeah, babe, this is, this is the norm. And uh, he's like, but they have children. I'm like, that doesn't matter. That does not matter. And so I'm watching this guy. Every time he goes outside, I guess, to smoke, he rams into the wall because he's so drunk. And the Bible says we got to be alert and sober-minded because the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. A roaring lion, prowling, seeking to devour you. See, the devil, he's very patient, and he studies you out every day. For me, I was um, raped and sexually abused um, in first and second grade, and so the enemy studied me my whole life, and he watched and he followed, and he knew that was a hurt place in my life, that I wouldn't allow anybody to go, not even God. And so he allowed things to happen in my life and played on these weaknesses. So to not deal with my past, I would drink. And to, if, I, if I just stayed drunk, I didn't have to deal with the past. So then he could make me into an alcoholic, which was something that runs in my family. Grandfather, great-grandfather. So see, he studies you out and he says, oh, she didn't have a dad? Well, good. She's lonely. She wants that dad to fill the void. I'm going to put this guy in her path and this guy in her path to fill that void. And oh, this young man, he feels unloved. He doesn't feel cool. He doesn't feel worthy. Well, I'm going to put this little gang of guys that are doing bad things to take him in so he doesn't feel lonely. And the enemy just studies you all day long like a roaring lion, the Bible says, prowling, waiting to devour you. He sees you like an outback steak. And he's just ready to pounce. And while you sizzling on that pan, getting ready, he's just watching and ready. And so the Bible says we have to resist him, standing firm in the faith. And it is a struggle. It is a struggle to do what's right. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit will fill you and give you the power to overcome the things of this world. And so you can't do it in your own strength. You will never be able to do it in your own strength. And so I don't stand up here um, cocky and arrogant. I'm confident in a God who took me out of the pits of hell. He healed me. I had a disease um, a few years back. I was bedridden for eight months. God radically healed me. There's no cure for that disease. God radically cured me, and I, ha I don't have it anymore. God literally delivered me of alcoholism and so many other things. I mean, I curse like a sailor. Every other word was F word because that's who I did life with. That's how they talk. I go to church and like the pastor would come, I dodge the other way because I was scared. Like church was awesome. I didn't want to curse in front of the pastor. So I would go the other way. I had so many things I had to break and get delivered of because of where I came from. But God slowly over time just started taking like an onion layer after layer and dealing with parts of me and healing parts of me. But I was willingly every day saying, God, I'm just going to fight this fight. I'm willing to do this for you. And so Ephesians, if you could pull up Ephesians 6, 10 and 18, it talks about the armor of God. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. All day long, the devil is scheming against your life, trying to kill, steal, and destroy you. And it says, take your stand. So every day, he's scheming against you. And it says, put on the full armor of God. But what do we do? We leave the house spiritually butt naked, right? How many of you every day are putting on the full armor of God? Probably not. So we wonder why the enemy's kicking our tail. It's because we don't have the armor of God on. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you're able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. You see, the Lord is going to give you the victory, but you have to put on the armor of God. Okay, it's kind of hard to have sex with your boyfriend when you got the belt of truth on. The belt of truth keeps your pants on. Okay, when the enemy comes with his lies, the, if you don't, you bring in a pocket, uh, uh, you know, a little pocket knife to a gun show. You don't, you haven't read the word. You don't know what the word says. So when he comes at a lie with a lie, you swing in this old pocket knife at him. But if he says you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you can take the sword of the spirit and cut him and say, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a child of God. I'm chosen. I am set apart. I'm a royal priesthood. You can sling that sword and cut him and in that conversation right there. And so we have to have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. When we put on the helmet of salvation, it's so when those lies come in our mind, it bounces off that helmet. It cannot stay. It's to protect our mind because the real battlefield is in your mind. The lies of the enemy constantly coming at you. And so 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 13, 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 13, it says, join me in the suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. A good soldier. So he says, you got to win, you got to, you're going to fight. This thing, living for God, is a fight. And he says, be a good soldier. It says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Don't get concerned with what's happening in the world, what your friends out there are doing, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. I owe this world one thing, the truth about Jesus Christ. I owe them nothing else. And I don't care what the world's doing. I don't care what people are doing out there. My daughter comes home, she's 13. Can I have a cell phone? No, I'm not handing you, you a loaded gun and say, hey, I hope this works out all right. But my friends have it. I don't care what your friends have. My job is to get you to heaven, and that's the plan. 
And I have one commanding officer I have to answer to, and that's Jesus Christ. Not your little 13-year-old friends with zits on their face and braces. Okay? And so similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete, they don't not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. There's a rule book, and it's the Bible. And if you follow that rule book, it's gonna, it promises you the victory. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember, Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may, too may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We go to Africa every year and we preach to um, its very, very remote area, mud huts, naked babies, all Muslim and witchcraft. And God told me a few years back, he said, on the first day, I want you to preach, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one and his name is Jesus. So I'm like, all right, God, I'll do it. Give me confirmation. So I go into our women's prayer meeting on Tuesday morning, and we have this old lady. She's the prayer warrior of the church, Sister B. And I'm like, God, if you want me to preach on the first day, here, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, and his name is Jesus. Just give me confirmation. I walk into that church service, and this old lady has her handkerchief and she's walking around here O Israel the Lord thy God is one here O Israel the Lord thy God is one and I'm like okay God you see I'm a soldier in the army and God gave me my marching orders and I didn't say let me think about it let me get back to you I just immediately said okay God because if you go and join the U.S. Army and you go to boot camp, which you're spiritually in right now, the youth group is your boot camp, and then in the army they say, get up, give me 20, and you say, mm, let me think about it. Let me, talk, let me see what my friends say. Let me see if I do this, how many likes I'll get on Instagram. They will eat your lunch. They expect you, when they give you a command, to immediately obey and do what they've called you to do. Why? Because when they release you into war, you got to be able, when they say, hit the deck, you hit the deck. Go right, go right, because it's going to save your life. And that's what the youth group is about. You're in spiritual boot camp, and they're trying to train you and help you so that when you get in this world, the Holy Spirit then speaks to you, and you're able to respond, and it saves your life. And so he says, here is a trust." So I in, go up, I go to Africa, and I go to get up to preach, and they say there's three visiting people here. Now, we're in the middle of nowhere. They don't have visitors. You've got to walk 10 miles to get to, to anything. And it's three Muslim high priests that were passing through and happened to be there only one day on the first day of the conference. Now, a lot went through my mind that day. Is this the part where a female gets up and declares there's one God and his name is not Allah? How is this going to go down? Because in my mind, I'm going to be on CNN news, right? They're going to whip out the machetes, clip my head off, and I'm going to be on the news. But that's when I was like, okay, Jesus, I'm a, I'm a soldier, and I'm willing to fight the good fight. And no matter what happens, the Bible says to live is is Christ to die is gain. I'm willing to die for you this day for your 
for your cause. And I got up and I started preaching this Jesus and started preaching this Jesus. And I had all the orphans, there's like a thousand orphans. I said, let's proclaim the, the region we, we were in is called Budaka. I said, stretch out your hand to the north, south, east, and west. Hear, O Budaka, the Lord thy God is one and his name is Jesus. To the north, south, east, and west. Well, the lady who prays for me whenever I preach, she was outside praying. She said, Mandy, when a thousand people, when y'all reach out your arm to the north, she said, this massive dirt storm whipped up in the air and shot up. And when you move your arm to the back, it traveled around to the back of the building and followed each way the arms. And the last one, it shot up into the sky. And after I finished preaching, I felt like the life had went out of me. And three Muslim men started walking my way. And I'm not going to lie, a little fear seeped in to me. And the first one, he opened up his arms and he said, I've never heard this Jesus before. And he held me. Amen. The second one walked up and said, I have never felt this in my life. I've heard of this Jesus, but I've never felt this Jesus. And the third one walked and walked out. Now they could only be there on the first day when I was speaking, and we were there for 12 days. But I believe that was a divine appointment, a divine command, a divine marching orders that God gave me. And because I was obedient on the first time, there is no telling what they went back to their people and showed them or taught them. I'm believing when I get to heaven, there are going to be Muslims that came from that very night that I preached because I was just obedient. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If God is telling you, I've called you to preach this gospel, then you need to say, I take the marching orders. If God is saying, I called you to lead worship, I called you to be a teacher, I called you to, to do anything for my kingdom, you have got to just say, God, I give you my yes. I don't know what it's going to look like, sound like. I don't care who persecutes me, who teases me. I'm going to do what's right because you promise in the end, I will have the victory. Because this life is not about you. It's about the souls that you can reach and tell. I'm telling you, I was hoarse in my voice going across Nichols campus telling people, you got to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. You got to live for Jesus. You need to be baptized and have all your sins washed away. People thought I was crazy. I didn't care. But guess what? Fast forward, all those people who thought I was crazy, you should see my inbox every day. Mandy, would you pray for me? Mandy, I saw you preach, and God, I'm just bawling, crying, and I'm going through this, and I'm going through that. Would you do a Bible study with me? All those people, because I just went and planted seeds, and God had radically changed my life. It was a Saul to Paul experience, and God stripped everything from me because I believe he really wanted me, as long as all those people were in my life, I would lean on them. And he wanted to strip everything and say, it's me and you. It's me and you. I need you to learn my voice. And if you have all these other voices, you'll never decipher mine from theirs. And I need to get you alone. And on my 21st birthday, I was at my parents' house listening to an old Michael W. Smith CD. And I'm like, man, I waited my whole life to legally do all this bad stuff I was getting in trouble for. And you got jokes, huh, God? You're going to get me saved right before my 21st birthday. That's the God we serve. He's, a, he's, a, he's quite a, he got a sense of humor. But it says, 
if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we die for him, we will live for him. Zechariah 4 and 6, not by my might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I tried to do what's right in my beginning walk with God, but I kept falling back into this sin. And at the time, I smoked, and I would, I would, want, I would want to do what's right, but then that cigarette was calling my name, and I remember about to cross over the Shreva overpass coming from home. I pulled my car over. I rolled down the windows. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I don't know what this is, but God, just take the, the want to do cigarettes, the want to smoke out. And I felt like, this is crazy. This is crazy. But when I cried out like that, something broke off of me. And I never smoked another day because I cried out to the one who has the power to break the chains of addiction and bondage. And that is what we, that's, he's there for us. He's there for the victory. And so I remember I was in, on, um, I, I kept struggling, kept struggling. And one night, um, all my friends left to go on a mission trip. My friends from church, the five friends that I had. And um, they weren't the coolest people. And um, at the time, I was a cheerleader. And, and I wouldn't have picked those people to hang out with. But they were the only people trying to live for God. So that's what I did. And they went on a mission trip. And when the enemy was studying, 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 I started getting lonely. And my friends from the world started saying, hey, come back. Come out and drink with us. Come party with us. And I went. And I found myself at 3 a.m. in Shriver on the side of the road on a dead-end street. There was this road in Shriver with all kind of apartments where college kids lived in. And I was sitting on the curb at 3 a.m., bawling my eyes out, mascara down the face. And I was saying, God, this is so hard to live for you. This is so hard. I can't do this. I can't do this. Help me, God. And all of a sudden, this van pulls up and opens the door. And it's those five friends who had been on a mission trip in China for two months. They're there. And they're like, what are you doing, Mandy? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to live for Jesus, but I went get drunk, and I don't know. It's so hard. And they're like, get in the car. And they took me in. Now, there's a scripture that says he'll leave the 99 for the one. Let me tell you, that night he left the 91 and found the 99 and came for me, the one, in Shreveville, Louisiana, at 3 a.m. on the side of the road. Hearing my cry, God, I want to do what's right, but this is hard. And they put me in the car, and the next week I went to the conference, and God filled me with his Holy Spirit. I began to pray in the Holy Ghost, and this power took over me. And from that night, I never drank again, had sex again until I was married. I started living for him with Holy Ghost boldness and power because I was trying to do it in my own flesh, in my own strength. But you need the power of God living inside of you to do this. Deuteronomy 20 and 4, it says... For the Lord your God is the one who gives you, it goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you the victory. You see, the Bible calls us to be a good soldier. And he says, if you disown him, he'll also disown you. If you're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. The Bible is a command. Jesus is your sergeant, and he says, 
Go and make disciples. He gives you this command. Go and feed the poor. Visit the prisoner. Cast out demons. Tread on serpents. Lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Miracles and signs and wonders should follow you. But things only follow you if you're going somewhere. If you're going make disciples. If you're going pray for people. If you're going be a witness. And so you're in a spiritual boot camp with this youth group, and your leaders are trying to guard you and help you and teach you. But in the end, when you're released, God has given you the command, and he's the ultimate sergeant. And he says, don't worry about this world. Just worry about being obedient to me. Because when I formed you in your mother's womb, I formed you with a plan and a purpose. You see what happened to me as a child? For five years, I taught Bible studies at the juvenile justice facility, and every girl had been sexually abused and raped. So guess what? I could sit across from those girls and say, guess what? I know what you've been through. I know what you're going through. But I also know a Jesus who can heal you and restore you and make you whole again. What the enemy meant to destroy me as a child, God turned and used for the good. If I have somebody that's sick and needs prayer, I can say, yes, you have this sickness, but I'm going to tell you and introduce you to a God that can heal you. My son was diagnosed with autism, um, muscular dystrophy, cystic fibrosis, all these things. And this woman said, you just got to accept it. This is just the way these kids are. And I looked at her, <laughs> she told the wrong chick. I said, you might accept this for your son, but I'm not accepting this for my son. If he can raise people from the dead, open blind eyes, deliver people of demons and, and heal them of cancer, he can touch my, my, my child's mind and heal my son in one instant. So I'm going to stand on his word that his promises are yes and amen. And now my son, all those other kids are still in therapies, every therapy. My son, it's almost undetectable. The cystic fibrosis test came out negative. The muscular dystrophy, he now can do everything. He plays sports. When he just laid like a pancake, his right arm hung. He couldn't, his, he couldn't even drink out of a bottle. Now my son does CrossFit with me in the gym every night. That's the God we serve. But you got to know the word that says, I'm the healer. I'm the great physician. Nothing is impossible for me. And so God's calling you. He's saying, pick up your cross. Fight the good fight. It is going to be a fight. It is not easy. It is not easy. But in the end, it's worth it. And he promises you, if you're just a good soldier and you fight the good fight of faith, he promises you to give you the victory. So let's stand to our feet right now. The problem is, is that there's a lot of soldiers in this room that you have one foot in God's army and one foot in the enemy's camp. I know because I, I did it myself. One foot in, one foot out. You come to stuff like this, I'm in God's army. I'm all in for Jesus. And then when no one's around, the enemy comes prowling like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And as long as we have, the Bible calls this flesh on us, this flesh does not want to do what's right. It hates the things of God. It doesn't want to pray. It doesn't want to read the Bible. 
It doesn't want to come to church. It doesn't want to worship. But, the, but I felt like God say that there are soldiers in this room that he's calling you to take up the cross and fight the good fight. But you got to decide today to get out of the enemy's camp and to get in the army of the Lord. And so with your eyes closed, I want us to start thinking about the areas in our life where we have in one second marched with God or wanted to be in the army of the Lord and fight the good fight, but then the next minute hanging out with the enemy in the enemy's camp. In World War II in Japan, if an American soldier would have been found in the Japanese military tent playing cards with the enemy, they would have hung that American soldier right there outside and killed them. And what we have is a lot of people in church that claim to be Christians and wear the cool graphic Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts, but yet are playing cards with the enemy. And so right now, I feel like God's saying, I'm looking for a generation that will rise up and say this isn't about a graphic tee or a cool color bandana on my head or Chick-fil-A or games, but God, I am ready to enlist in your army. I'm ready to fight the good fight. No matter what comes my way, no matter who stops being my friend, who disowns me. I'm ready to make that commitment today. I'm not turning back. I got my eyes set on you. And your word promises me the victory. If God's talking to you, I want you to come to the front because I want to pray over you. If God is drawing you and saying, hey, come fight a little harder. Come to the front, grab your friend and say, I'm going to fight with you. If God's, if God's dealing with you saying, I need you to fight a little harder for those that are lost at your school. I need you to speak up and stand. The Bible says six times in that scripture, stand. When you can do, when you've done everything, stand. When all your friends are bowing to the things of the world, I'm calling you to stand. And you've been bowing. You've been bowing and I need you to stand. If God is dealing with you that you've been in the enemy's camp and his camp and he's tired of you being in both camps, I want you to come to the front. Maybe God is calling you and setting you apart, but you allow fear and intimidation to hinder you. I want you to come to the front. Because God spoke to me that you are some arrows and he's going to release you. There's going to be a point where your mom and dad are not around, where these coaches are not around, and you're going to fly. But God wants you to hit a bullseye. There is a Mandy Holloway out there that he needs you to go to and open your Bible and invite to church. Because on my weakest days, Mandy Holloway would have ended it in a hot second and contemplated it many times because the pain and the hurt inside of me was greater than I could bear. Now I preach this gospel. I preach all over Africa. I preach at the church in New Orleans. Why? 
because one person enlisted themselves in the army of the Lord and said, I don't care what she's going to say. I'm going to pick the loudest, craziest, wildest person on this college campus who no one would believe would live for God. And God, you told me to go after her and I'm going after the one. So I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands and I'm going to pray for you right now. God, your word says if we disown you, you'll disown us. And I don't believe that's your will that any of these young people perish without you. So God, right now, I am asking you to give them hearts of flesh for their hearts of stone. That God, this word, this command to rise up and fight the good fight of faith, to be a good soldier, would go forth and pierce their hearts. God, when they leave here today, they are now mentally in the army of the Lord, and they're going to surrender in complete obedience, not delayed obedience, because delayed obedience is disobedience. But God, I am asking you to put a fire so strong inside of them that says, I will not bow to the enemy. I will no longer go into the enemy's camp and God's camp. I am sold out for you. God, I'm praying that you anoint them with Holy Ghost boldness, that they do not bow to the things of this world, but that they stand and fight the good fight of faith, that daily they put on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, so that that when the fiery darts of the enemy come, God, they will be quenched. God, that they, they will wear the breastplate of righteousness, the belts of truth, the feet prepared with the preparation of the gospel, and God, that they would hold the sword of faith, that they would take this word and use it. God, anoint them to do the great things you have called them to do. They are not an accident. They are not too wounded, too neglected, too hurt. But God, you are the restorer of all things. So right now, restore them, God. Heal them, God. Deliver them from the things that have them bound and set them free. Free to be your good soldier. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, why don't put, you put your hand on the person next to you and pray for them as hard as you need them to pray for you. Why don't you lay hands on them and say, I declare you will be a good soldier. You will be a good soldier. You will fight the fight of faith. I'm believing that God will empower you and anoint you. God, anoint this person next to me not to bow to the things of this world. God, strengthen them, oh God. Strengthen them, oh God. Let them walk in their calling and their anointing. God, put a hedge of protection around them that no weapon formed against them can prosper any longer. I plead your blood over their mind, God, that they would not listen to the lies of the enemy any longer. But God, set their mind free. Let them stand on your word, oh God. Let them, God, swing the sword of faith. Let them swing the sword this of faith at the enemy. God, strengthen them, empower them. Anoint them to do the great things you have called them to do. Give them Holy Ghost boldness to go find the Mandy Holloways out there that are hurting, that are lonely, that are desperate, that need healing and restoration and deliverance. God, anoint them as you did King David. Anoint them as you did Moses and Noah, Jeremiah, 
high a God. You're no respecter of persons. Lord God, we worship you when we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I declare and decree that these young people are arrows and they will hit their bullseye in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, raise your hands up. I will hit my bullseye. You created me with a plan and a purpose. God, I will hit the bullseye. I will be a good, good soldier. I will fight the good fight of faith. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, empower them, oh God. Strengthen them, oh God. Strengthen them, oh God. Open up their understanding when they read your word, oh God. Set a fire for you, oh God. Jeremiah said it was a fire shut up within my bones. Why don't you get more fired up about Jesus than you do a Saints game or an LSU game or your school football game? Why don't you get more on fire for God than you do the things of this world and watch what happens? In the name of Jesus, I surrender, God. I surrender, God. I surrender, God. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. God wants to pour his spirit into you. God, I want all you have for me. I need the power. I need the strength. God, pour your spirit inside of me. Anointing. The anointing that destroys the yoke. That's what we read. The anointing that destroys the yoke. In the name of Jesus. When you walk your school campus, darkness has to flee. Demons tremble because you're declaring the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And God, I declare Jesus is Lord over their lives, oh God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, we worship you, God. We stand on your word, oh God. No weapon formed against us can prosper. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you have a call of God on your life, I want you to give God your yes. I want you to close your eyes and say, I give you my yes, God. Whatever it is you're calling me, I'm not going to delay any longer. I'm going to say yes. Whether it's to be somebody in my school or to a Muslim high priest, I will declare the works of the Lord. I will declare you, Jesus. I will declare signs, miracles, and wonders will follow me because I believe. I'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When I pray for someone, God, your spirit's going to move and they're going to feel your power. There will be people in heaven because I stood with Holy Ghost boldness and declared your name. In Jesus' name, I surrender, God. Oh, I surrender to you, God. I surrender as a good soldier to fight the fight of faith. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, I want you to just clap your hands and give God the glory. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. Thank you for these young people that will hit their bullseye. In the name of Jesus, can we just worship him and thank him and declare I'm going to be a good soldier and fight the fight of faith. Give him a hand. Let's give him a shout. Thank you, Jesus. If you ever catch yourself riding the fence, you remember Satan owns the fence. There is no riding the fence. I love what Manny said. She opened up with her story about being consistent, pushing hard in CrossFit, and the other girl that eventually wore out and fell behind, because that's exactly what was happening when she talked about how she would go and preach to everybody on campus, anyone who would listen, and they would just blow her off. And then down the road, there are the people that came back. It's because she stayed consistent, she stayed running, she stayed going, and eventually they wore out and realized they needed something deeper than what they were already running with. That story was true throughout her whole message. Give Mandy a hand. Thank you, Mandy Holloway. We appreciate you so much. God bless you. All right, well, I want you to know that God has blessed us greatly because anybody been like really hot lately outside? I mean, the sun's beating on us, so God is coming in and he's just like, you know what? I love them so much, I'm just gonna give them a rinse every now and then. So we're gonna be out, we're gonna be playing games, and if God doesn't get you wet, I'm coming around with a water gun. I wanna make sure there is nobody dehydrated. Make sure you're drinking water constantly. We have some amazing games set up, but let's pray real quick. Thank you, God.